Coming up, breaking down the wild card madness with Sully Baseball of Locked On MLB. Are the Mets still cursed? Yes, they are. Are the Mariners the team of destiny? Discussing all that on today's Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas, a multimedia journalist, animographic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24, portfolio.com. I'm there to see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. Thank you for making Locked On Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. But now, let's jump into that crossover with Sully Baseball of Locked On MLB. Well, the wild card round lived up to its name. It was wild, and it was fun. So if this is an example of what the first round of the postseason is going to be like, uh, let's have it from now on. We move on to the division series and recap what happened in this wild weekend. It's a locked on MLB, locked on Diamondbacks crossover. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the Daily Podcast. We talk about all the Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Look at my lower third right there. You can call me Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who has also been a writer, a, an actor, a comedian, a filmmaker, and I've been a baseball podcaster for the last decade. And I'm now in finishing up my fourth season here at the Lockdown Podcast Network. Every Monday, I work with this knucklehead right over here from Lockdown Diamondbacks. Who, what is your name, sir? I am Miller Thomas. You can find me on any podcasting platform. You can follow me on social media, Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account. Follow the show account, Locked on Diamondbacks, Twitter, Instagram, of course. And you have to follow us on Locked on Diamondbacks on YouTube as well. We got to hit our subscriber count, get it up a little bit. So follow us on YouTube as well. And you can follow us at Locked on Milby Pods on Twitter. Same handle for Instagram. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. So this episode is being dropped on the 10th day of October 2022. And what what a f- look at. Uh, I'm not going to pretend I'm rooting for one team or for another right now. I just wanted to see some wild baseball games. And boy, did we get that. We had a little bit of everything. We had a, unbelievable pitching duels. We had two mind-boggling collapses by the home team we had uh we had a massive upset and we had a uh, walk-off home run to clinch a series there was a little bit of everything and let's just talk about right now the game that ended uh less than an hour ago which was the new york mets wow the wow. mets the 100 win mets just think any one win between April and October, just one win, and the Mets are in the division series, 
and the Braves are playing this series. Okay. And that's why I've been saying those games in April. Ah, it's early. It's early. Don't lose dumb games. One dumb game lost in April cost the Mets a trip to the division series. Um, this is a this is a huge upset. If you had said just even a few weeks ago that the Mets would be not even playing in the division series, uh, you that would be absolutely crazy to say that. No, this sucks for Mets fans because we thought this was a team that was going, you know, we thought this could be a team of destiny for the Mets at one point in the season. We were like, yeah, a New York team is going to the World Series this year. And we honestly felt like maybe it was going to be the Mets over the Yankees. We talked about this rotation, how deep it is, all their offseason additions. The lineup was cooking. Lindor is back. Pete Alonso, the power surge. Everything from this regular season was clicking for 90% of the year. And that last month of the year, Atlanta Braves, they really, since what, after the first month of the season, have been playing like the best baseball um, in, in the major leagues. And they were able to overtake the Mets in the division. And the Mets in this wild card round, like the, I don't think the starting rotation was up to snuff as like what we expected. Like you go out there, you sign Max Scherzer, be a $40 million guy. And that game one, he was not that dude for the Mets. The San Diego Padres smashed four home runs off Scherzer in that game one. The ground was great in game two, but I still felt like the Padres made him work in that game two. And then you look at game three tonight. Once again, the Padres bats came to play and Joe Musgrove was a dog on the mound. And um, he needed to be a dog because it looked like both Buck Showalter wanted to, you know, check out his ear a couple times because they were looking. Yeah, there was a little gate. There were a little gamesmanship going on from Buck. Uh, I think that the fact of the matter is, is that, I mean, maybe you had something back there. Maybe not. Uh, you still got to get more than one hit over seven innings. Um, it's it's really the the goat of this series, and there is a goat is Max Scherzer, and he. I don't know if he's running out of gas. He he's not a spring chicken anymore. He's still a wonderful pitcher, but it might be a little too much to ask for him to be the wire-to-wire ace that he was when he was with Detroit or when he was with Washington. You saw that he didn't pitch well in the NLCS last year for Los Angeles. And, yes, I understand signing to the big honking contract, and there was periods during this year where he looked like the Max Scherzer that they paid that amount of money for. But he lost the two biggest starts of the year. He lost the start to Atlanta. All the Mets had to do was win one game in Atlanta and hold serve, and they would have won the division. He got pounded by the Braves let up home run after home run after home run starts this. Okay. Go to the wild card round, just beat San Diego. And it's all, you know, it's all a memory. He got absolutely torched by the Padres and didn't make it out of what didn't make it out of the fourth. I mean, it was just a disaster Yeah, and it was a disaster early. And he looked like he was throwing pumpkins up there and that's not, they didn't pay him all that money to pitch well in July and August, he was there to be the guy to lead him to the promised land, a la Kurt Schilling when the Red Sox traded for him in before the 2004 season, a la Jack Morris when the Minnesota Twins signed him before the 91 World Series season. That was what they had in mind for the arrival of Scherzer, and he's got to be the GOAT in New York at this point. 
Yeah, you're not feeling good with Max Scherzer, which is weird because it felt like DeGrom was the one, you know, the final month of the season that was kind of like didn't look like his normal ace stuff. We felt maybe more confident in Max Scherzer going into the postseason, but he has been a guy that has dealt with injuries throughout the year. Um, When he has pitched this year, he has gone, I think, pretty deep into ball games for the most part. So maybe at this advanced age of 40 years old, maybe you have to pitch him every six day like the Mets have the deepest rotation in baseball. Maybe you do a six man rotation next year so you could stretch out the Max Scherzer of the world for the whole year because yeah you're paying him 40 million but you want that 40 million to be valued in the postseason for those big moments for that game one and not all these regular season wins so maybe they really recalibrate their expectations next year um throughout the year and try to say you know what maybe it's okay for a wild card team if it means our boys are more ready for the postseason our horses are more stacked up with their stamina for the postseason because this wasn't the performance you expected from the Max Scherzer of the world you needed that ace performance you needed him to set the tone in game one and it was the Padres the whole season like I really felt like coming into the series I wasn't super confident in that Padres offense I still had a lot of question marks with the new guys being fitted in Juan Soto hasn't had a great time in San Diego um so far but the bats came alive. I thought they put together quality bats throughout the whole series, and I, I was really impressed with how they battled the whole time against this Mets rotation. Bell's home run in the first inning of game one kind of, well, rang the bell, and it was kind of, uh, it set the tone. Grisham had a wonderful series. Uh, series. You know, Machado got a big hit. Uh, Soto got a big hit today. I mentioned Trent Grisham. Um, and so the the bats got the hits when they needed to. And they got and they were able to get the big hits with runners on base that the Mets couldn't get in. Well, they didn't have any runners on base today, but it was just it was just tremendous that, you know, Darvish pitched like an ace. Musgrove pitched like an ace. Mm -hmm. And a very encouraging sight was Josh Hader today looked like the Josh Hader of the Milwaukee Brewers of years past. He didn't look like the guy who got torched for most of the season. I mean. I mean, the autopsy of this this series is is kind of simple. Scherzer stunk, and the team that had the two aces that delivered was San Diego. And um, I will get into pre- the third segment today. We'll get into predictions, but you know, San Diego looked like a really good team, and I'm just I'm stunned that this happened to the Mets. But you have to give credit to San Diego, who went into New York, went into the hostile environment, and went in for the only game three of this series of this uh, round, playing a do or die game, and with great poise, jumped all over them, and the Mets never really even looked in this game. Mm-mm. No, it was from the from the jump the Padres were able to really get out to a lead, and I really feel like this Padres team, like I had the question marks about the lineup, but like. This is a talented team no matter what. Like, even though I wasn't super confident in maybe the offense coming in, like, you can't deny that this team has talent from the Sotos, the Machados, especially in that rotation. Like, Blake Snell wasn't great in game two, but he's still a guy, former Cy Young Award winner, with you, Darvish, one of the biggest workhorses we've seen in Major League Baseball over the last year. was years. great down the stretch. Great, great. And obviously, Musgrove was great down the stretch, too. Yeah, Musgrove is elite. And then you hope if Josh Hader can get back to being one of the best closers in baseball that we've seen, like they got the horses in the rotation to do it. They got a couple bullpen arms that you could 
hopefully expect to step up in the big moment. And then they got those sluggers in the lineup. Like, uh, I know we're going to talk about predictions in the third, but maybe we shouldn't be totally surprised that the Padres did this. I did think that the Mets were maybe going to sweep this series because of the DeGrom and the Scherzers of the world. But I'm also not surprised that the Mets talent actually stepped up to the plate because we can't forget the AJ Prellers of the world. Like he's been super aggressive the last couple off seasons. Yeah. He's been making as many moves as any team in baseball. Like this Padres team has been on the precipice of trying to make the postseason and make a deep postseason run. And you know what? Maybe this is their year. Maybe this is actually slam Diego's year to go all the way. We'll see. We're going to talk about the other series, but a great start for the Padres so far. Well, let me tell you, the numbers just don't lie that the Padres could pitch and the numbers show that they could hit and mm-hmm. they're moving forward. By the way, the numbers also don't lie when it comes to safety in your home. In the last decade, over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe home security to protect their home. You don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. I know I use Simply Safe in my own home. They protect you with cutting edge technology powered by 24 7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back. And I just love it. With 24 7 professional monitoring, Simply Safe's agents call you the moment a threat is detected and dispatch police or first responders in an emergency, even if you're not at home or can't be reached. Simply Safe blankets your home in protection with advanced sensors in every room, window, and door, HD security cams for inside and outside your home. Smarter ways to detect motion that only alert when a threat is real and even hazard sensors that detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. Our monitoring experts use proprietary advanced response technology to visually confirm when a break-in is real so you can get the highest priority police dispatch. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes with simplysafe.com slash MLB. Save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you use an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month for free. Just visit simplysafe.com slash lockdown and it'll be to learn more. There is no safe like Simply Safe. It is the 10th of October. We're doing a crossover. By the way, you can tell I'm not in the luxurious Lockdown MLB studios in Pasadena. I am in the auxiliary MLB studios in Palo Alto, California, Mm. the birthplace of Bob Melvin, the manager of the San Diego Padres. So good for Bob Melvin as he's moving forward. Another manager with multiple manager of the year's uh, taken several teams to the postseason over his career and has never won a World Series as a manager. If he adds a World Series to his resume, you have to at least begin the conversation of him as a potential Hall of Fame manager. If you add a World Series title to a guy who's won multiple managers of the year, taking the Diamondbacks, A's, and Padres, not exactly the Dodgers, Yankees, and Red Sox, to the postseason. I always look at the managers who has success wherever they go. And he actually did a good job managing Seattle as well. They didn't get to the playoffs under him. But everywhere he's gone, the team has won. So I have to I have to you have to give a credit to someone like Bob Melvin as one of those managers. 
Yeah, you got to do it like on the bell curve almost because he's doing it with all these small market teams whose yep. owners don't want to spend any money whatsoever because you could definitely have the D-backs in that list. So you got to give respect to him for the level of difficulty he's doing it with. Hey, let's talk about two teams that the owners don't want to pay. The Rays of the Guardians locked Antlers in a just – the pitching was phenomenal in that mm-hmm. series. The Rays scored one run on a Jose yeah. Siri home run. The Guardians scored three runs. Two on a Jose Ramirez home run, and um, one on the uh, what was who was it? It was uh, who hit the home run? It was uh, uh, oh Oscar. Got, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was Oscar um, Gonzalez. And it was uh, yeah, uh, Oscar Gonzalez. I just I kept I kept saying Jose Ramirez because he hit the home run the night before, and it was kept coming out Ramirez. But no, Oscar Gonzalez hit the home run. Uh, big shout out to the pitchers that the Cleveland Indians threw out Bieber they Darn threw out Classe uh Tristan McKenzie you know uh, uh Karen Chak Stefan Sandlin I mean Eli Morgan De Los Santos Sam Henches threw three shutout innings out of the bullpen striking out six and lest we forget the pot the the Rays matched them mm-hmm. you know Tyler Glasnow barely pitched this year he pitched five shot on innings. Jason Adam, guy I forgot existed, wiggled out of wiggled out of so many jams. And all the pitchers, whether it was Armstrong or Rayleigh or Clavager, every time and, and Kluber for that first inning, every time the ball left their hands, the series was on the line. And both sides just pitched so wonderfully. And there was great defense, clutch defense, but Cleveland won it. And Man, I think Cleveland's scary. That they can pitch. They've got those two terrific pitchers at the top of the rotation. They're still goes. They still have Quantrill ready to go game one, and that dynamic bullpen. I think Cleveland for the two low budget teams. I think that was just. Uh, I think the the games were exciting, and it was a. Th- I it was a thrill. Yeah, I know people coming out this with very pro-Cleveland takes because they have that amazing young rotation. Bieber and Tristan McKenzie's as good of a one-two uh, you know, combo you can have in the playoffs right now. Jose Ramirez is a real MVP candidate. But for me, this is more of an anti-Tampa Bay take because I'm just tired of them being a really good regular season team, able to stack up the wins, but just always kind of coming short in the postseason. Like, we knew they had an elite um bullpen and the rotation was very good but their offense is always one that leaves me just wanting a little bit more and there's really no one in that lineup that could have really trusted in this postseason like you look at the Cleveland Guardians and they got the Jose Ramirez's of the world and some other guys that had really great seasons like Andrea Menes but the Guardians were 0 for 4 runners in scoring position total in this whole series they weren't getting a lot of guys to the plate in general the Rays uh, uh, pitching did a great job of really limiting the amount of opportunities Cleveland had in this series like I really felt like this series was on a prime platter for Tampa Bay, at least to take one game and force a game three. Like, I think that might be one of my biggest takeaways from this whole wild card round is the fact that only the Mets and Padres series was able to get to a game three. I'm kind of surprised with how many series ended to nothing. I felt like maybe it would get a little bit longer of a series going to Sunday with some of these series, um, but that didn't really happen. So for Tampa Bay, it's more about like, where, where do you go with this team? Because we know they can win regular season games. We know they can produce pitchers every single year from their farm system. But I just never have any faith in this team actually going deep into the postseason. They're super reliant on analytics. And that works a lot of times for the regular season. But I need a little bit more feel, a little bit more vibe for the postseason. I need you to get some star power, some real bats in your lineup because they – 
At the deadline, they acquired my guy, David Peralta, but I don't think he hit one home run since the deadline with the Tampa Bay Rays. So I, I'm always leave, I'm always left leaving uh I'm always left wanting more from Tampa Bay because I always feel like they come up short in the postseason. I'm disappointed by them. Let's talk about coming out short in August. I predicted that with the moves that they made that the St. Louis Cardinals would win the World Series. Whoops. Whoops. Um actually two of the pitchers they acquired, Quintana and um Oh God, what's his name from, from the Montgomery Montgomery. Thank you. They both pitched wonderfully Mm -hmm. uh, for them, but uh, one of the goats of this year's postseason is Brian Helsley, the closer for the Cardinals. The Cardinals had a two nothing lead going into the top of the ninth in game one and one out, nobody on struck out Reese Hoskins, single to Rio Moto walked Harper walked Castellanos hit Alec Bohm. So in came Andre, in came Andre Palante with the bases loaded in one out, immediately lets up the single to Segura, and then another run, another run, another run. All of a sudden, a 2-0 lead turns into a 6-2 deficit, and Philadelphia held on to win that game uh, 6-3. to And then in comes Aaron Nola, who shuts them down, pitches a great game, um, and you know, Nolo, I wouldn't, I think Nolo once, uh, he pitched into the seven. So he pitched six and two thirds shutout innings. Yeah. Um, and the only a Juan Yepes pinch hit home run was the only runs the Cardinals scored in two games. Uh, despite, uh, Albert Pujols getting two hits at his finale, you know, Goldschmidt was hitless. Arenado was uh, a non-factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was the Cardinals who, you know what? Very easily could have – they should have been up one nothing, And uh, they wound up losing to Philadelphia. And the, you know what I'm thinking about are the Brewers who finished one game behind the Phillies for that third wild card spot. Folks, fight for that third wild card spot because, you know, you can move forward. Just look at Philadelphia. Yeah, if you're a spiteful D-backs fan against Paul Goldschmidt, you're just running the tape on this series because in that game too, 0 for 4, like you said, three strikeouts for Paul Goldschmidt. He went 0 for, I think, in the first game as well. Nolan Arenado had one hit in the first two games of the series. Like The two guys who are going to finish top three, top four in MVP voting with Goldie likely to win it, they did absolutely nothing nothing offensively in game one Paul Goldschmidt he had that one play in that ninth inning where he decided to go home instead of maybe taking the easy out at first or trying to throw to second Nolan mm-hmm. Arenado had that ball that skipped through and just went Ran- past him he, for another, yeah in the key rally he they skipped past him so yeah so both of them kind of had just like mental mistakes and you're like these are our two best players making mistakes in the field with your closer who's been like arguably the best closer in baseball this year also just <laughs> not stepping up to the plate. Like it, it was madness for the Cardinals this series. Their best players basically weren't stepping up. Abra Pujo still had to be the savior for the Cardinals at age 47, wherever how old, however old he is. So this was a really disappointing series for the Cardinals. I thought they were going to win this series. I really like Miles Mikolas um, starting and winning at least one of these two games. I was surprised they lost this, the, the game he started. And for the Phillies, like I'm not totally surprised that they won the series because 
They had two frontline rotation guys in Zach Wheeler and Aaron Ola. That's also as good as anybody in baseball as a one-two combo. Like when I looked at this wild card round, like I kind of just debated who has the best one-two punch combo because you're going to see those two guys in the first two games and you only need a win in a best of 32 games. So that's why I felt like the Mets were going to win with the DeGroms and the Scherz of the world. I felt like it was going to be maybe the Cardinals that won this series because I felt like their offense was better than the Phillies with a good Miles Mikolos and a Jose Quintana. But it obviously didn't work out. And it was the Phillies bats who, I mean, they, they didn't really do that much offensively in the first game that they did, but it all came in the ninth inning. Like for the most part, the starters for the Cardinals did good. It was just, yeah, it was like one or two things that happened for the Phillies that ended up winning the series for them. I'm stunned that Philadelphia won this year. I really am stunned. I, I, I didn't see this coming at all. But if you want to talk about stunning collapses, mm-hmm. let's head north of the border, shall we? You look at Seattle jumped all over Alec Manoa so much for the they're throwing a legit Cy Young contender in game one. Uh that they were, you know, Seattle was up three runs before the Jays even came to bat. And they just scored one more the rest of the way, but it was Luis Castillo. And yes, some questionable calls from the umpire, those questionable strike zones. But, you know, I'm sorry, 4 nothing is still 4 nothing. And so I'll just pull back the curtain. Yesterday I was at my uh, my high school reunion, mm-hmm. and there was, a, uh, there was something going on, and that's why I'm up here in the Bay Area. Um, there was an event happening in the afternoon, and I had, I had watched the end of the the – Cleveland and Tampa Bay Marathon, and I was just transfixed by it. And I went to this event and I saw that Toronto was up eight to one in the sixth inning. And I thought, like, okay, uh, you know, the Blue Jays got shut out game one. They're coming back. They they smacked around Robbie Ray. So this series is this series is gonna go to a game three. So there you go. And during the course of the event, I wound up catching up with a buddy of mine named Greg, who I hadn't seen since 1990. And he's a huge baseball fan. He lives in Washington. And we were both kind of checking our phones going like, wait, it's, it's eight to five. Huh? Oh, it's nine to five. Okay. The Blue Jays are going to win. Oh, they have the bases loaded. And eventually we were staring at our phones because of course the game is blacked out. We can't put it on the phone. Of course. But we, but we were both looking at the ticker like it was 1920. And all of a sudden we saw Seattle ties the game on a bizarre J.P. Crawford bloop double of which uh, it wound up taking um, uh, George Springer out of the game. But then, you know, they sc- they wound up scoring uh, off of Jordan Romano in the ninth inning. In comes George Kirby, starting pitcher, who before that had as many relief appearances as me in the major leagues. Seattle wins, stunning comeback, two four-run rallies, and the game winner in the ninth, Toronto, who had images of a pennant dancing in their heads at the beginning of this year, get humiliated at home. And um, look at I'm I maybe I'm a broken record about this, but, you know, Charlie Montoya is probably saying I could have done that. Yeah. There is no way John Schneider keeps his job after a collapse like that. And who knows? Big budget Toronto. You bring Joe Madden in, you know, because team's designed to win right now. If you're, I mean, this is a team you bring a high profile manager to 
And uh, the taste in the mouth in Toronto after that horrible loss has got to be devastating. Yeah, that's what makes this series so disappointing for Toronto because, like you said, I think you picked them in the preseason to make it to the World Series. Yeah, I thought they were going to lose. I thought they were going to lose to the Dodgers in the World Series. I didn't think they were going to blow an eight to one lead in a potential elimination game. Yeah, because you come in and you they added the Kevin Gosmans of the world, they added the Jose Barrios of the world, another season of whoever they have in their lineup. Matt Chapman, they they brought in. You yeah, know, Matt the, Chapman, they brought in another year of Vlad Guerrero and the Bo Bichettes and the D. Like they're they're loaded, right? They're stacked, and it was their offense. What? And Manoa was a Cy Young candidate. Yeah. Yeah, they had all the pieces that you expect. Like, I picked the Blue Jays to win this series because you had Manoa going in game one, who's a stud. Then you were going to have Kevin Gosman um, going in game two. And I like this Mariners team, but I did not think they were going to have the offense to match Toronto because you had Julio Rodriguez just come back off the injured list, you know, working his way back into the lineup. And you look up and down that lineup, Julio Rodriguez, the rookie, is the only one with an 800-plus OPS, I think, in their lineup currently. So I, I didn't think they were offense was going to match up with the 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 frontline rotation that the Blue Jays had, I thought this was going to be the Blue Jays series to win. And it was crazy to see Kevin Gosman all of a sudden turn to a shell of himself late in the game. The Blue Jays' two best relievers, like you said, Bass and Romano, also give up runs. Like I just give credit to the Mariners for fighting this series and battling back and just blowing away. This was probably the most stunned series I had personally because I really didn't think the Mariners were going to match up with the Blue Jays. I thought it was a great season for the Mariners, but when I just looked at these two teams on paper with the talent, I thought it was the Blue Jays series to lose. You know who's the hero of Seattle of the last couple of weeks? Who? Is Cal Raleigh. Cal Raleigh wound up hitting the walk-off home run to send him to the postseason and he wound up getting on base five times out of nine plate appearances in the series against Toronto hitting that big home run in the first inning to put Alec Manona on his heels. He wound up scoring four runs in the two, in the two games, driving in three. He had four hits in the two games, including the double in the home run. He batted 500. He slugged a thousand. I mean, I granted it's a two game sample size, yeah. but, he, but, but, but he was, he, was he was the catalyst of that offense. And, you know, it was, you know, Crawford got Crawford and Frazier got the game tying and the game winning hits, but it was Cal Raleigh who sparked all the rallies and give credit also to Carlos Santana for hitting the three run home run that basically made it a series again. So yeah, that's, that's a little peek at all three, all four series, including the three that ended on Saturday. That's it for this edition of the Lockdown Diamondbacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Diamondbacks news coverage and insight. We'll be discussing the divisional series, Predictions with Sully Baseball, Part 2. He's back on the podcast tomorrow. Thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks your first listen every day. Go make your second listen of the day, Lockdown MLB, with our pal Sully Baseball, actually, who you just heard the whole podcast, Walking Baseball historian, encyclopedia, whatever you want to call him. So go check out his podcast, Lockdown MLB. And as always, come back tomorrow. Stay safe, stay healthy, deuces.